Hi, I'm Chloe Canning. Luminate Leadership acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land which we record this podcast, the Terrible and Yagara people. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Lead with Courage, the podcast that celebrates the bold and inspiring stories of leaders making a difference. We're your hosts, Andy and Cherie Canning, and together we'll dive into the minds of the trailblazers, the risk takers, and those who embrace life with a growth mindset. On this week's episode of Lead with Courage, we welcome to the podcast Simon Doble. Simon is a purpose-driven humanitarian. He's a social impact entrepreneur, a keynote speaker, serial innovator, and author. Simon has founded and directed many businesses. His philanthropic adventures have taken him to many places. And he joins a podcast today to talk about those, as well as his passion for energy poverty around the world and providing a solution through the Solar Buddy Initiative. And I know we always say it, and and we always mean it, and this episode really resonated deeply with both Cherie and I, and I believe that the message is out there for someone as well that will touch really deeply as well. So uh, sit back and enjoy the incredible life that Simon has lived, um, hearing about his stories and the ups and downs along the way, and um, please feel free to share this and gift it to someone that you think really needs to hear this. So thank you, and I hope you enjoy. Simon, welcome to the Lead with Courage podcast. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. I know your um, office and where you are is not far from here as well, so we're lucky to be in the same place. And uh, So thanks for coming. And one of the first questions we'll have to kick off with is, what does Lead with Courage mean to you? Okay, well, firstly, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you. In, in person as well, which is nice. Um, and just around the corner, like you say, from the office, so it's, it's good. Um Lead with purpose or lead with courage for me. Um, I thought a little bit about this before I came in, and, and one of my favorite books is is, uh, is Leader by um, Sir Alex Ferguson, who's the ex manager of Manchester United. Um, and on the back of his book, it was Harvard Business School um, ghost written book. And uh, it's, my job wasn't to manage, it was to make people believe the impossible was possible. Yeah, I love that. And I just love that. That's, mm. There's a lot of courage in that. And there's a lot of leadership in that. And, um, and I try and sort of bring that to the game and influence the, the, the direction that we go in to, to try and break down the walls and the barriers of, of, of a lot of the work we do and, and make people believe that they can achieve the impossible, which is the epitome of leadership and courage as far as I'm concerned. Yes, yeah, wow. beautiful. Simon, where's your accent from initially? Somerset. Somerset. Southwest England. Yeah, great. Was, yeah. So then... Who did you support growing up? Chelsea. Okay. Still All right. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Beautiful. My daughter is now um, Chelsea's on the map for my daughter because of Sam Kerr in the Women's World Cup. What are your What are your takes on the World Cup? Oh, fantastic. Uh, so I'm really good friends with Amy Chapman, who um, who's one of the presenters on Optus. Um, she's an ex Matilda, and I've I've met a few. I, I met Mackenzie Scott, uh, Mackenzie um, Arnold, the goalkeeper, yes, and yes. a few of the others. So it was actually. I've, I've been asked this a lot and, and you know, obviously a Brit and when it comes to sport, I tend to go with the English side, you know, mm-hmm. um, even in the Ashes, I'll still go with, with England. But watching, I went and watched the England in, in Matildas against each other in, in Sydney and, and I was fully behind the Matildas because I know them personally. Yes. And, and known Amy and, and her partner, Billy, who used to work for us and Billy used to play for England and it was just a beautiful thing and, and to know, have that personal connection with, 
the likes of Sam Kerr and, and, and Mackenzie and that was um, really special. So I'm super proud of what they did and, you know, the whole female empowerment thing and, and hopefully they can take on the inbound sort of the US team and, and drive that sort of equality forward, which would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah, isn't it so powerful? We've literally um, just come back from holiday last week and our daughter's reading the Sam Kerr books. Like that's that's what she all she wants to talk about and yeah. it's incredible to see. Yeah, she's, she's, she's a phenomenon. She's absolutely amazing at what she does and... She's up for the Pushko Award this year, which is the best goal of the year. Scored, wow. Which happened to be against England, which I In saw. That semi, yeah. yeah. That's a cracking and She goal. was running towards me when she scored that. Oh, so wow. um, so oh. that, 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 was, that was quite a, a wonderful moment. But, um, but yeah, she's, she's phenomenal. She's a great ambassador for Australia. She's a great ambassador for the sport. She's a great ambassador for young girls and young boys. And yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm very proud of what she's achieved. Yeah, incredible. We happen to be at the... Um, Penalty shootouts game actually here in Brisbane. Oh, wow. I don't know if there's anything greater to experience in live sport than being there. I, I had every emotion under the sun that night. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, no, incredible. no nails left. No, exactly. Yeah. No voice left, literally. Yeah. I would screamed it all away and cried it all away. Yeah, yeah phenomenal. Yeah. What an experience. And the whole team. I know that so many people talk about Sam, but it's the whole team, isn't it? The whole, the whole culture around it's just been phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think... Um, I think the team came together when Sam was injured, and and that proved unity. And yes, and and they all, you know, they all pulled in the same direction. And again, that's leading with courage. And they all took their own le- own leadership role. And, and I thought that was really good to see as well. So. Yeah, agreed. And I think it's that the impossible um, quote um, as well, like where it's like, well, everyone would have thought without her, we've got no choice or no chance. And then just seeing the team come together, we were literally just talking about how when leaders take leave or walk take time out of the business how the team behind them rises up so we've got to trust our teams to rise up without us and that's probably the perfect example in a sporting arena yeah phenomenal so good so good um simon can you tell us about i know you've probably told this story a few times over but can you give us a bit of a history of solar buddy and what it's all about for those who might not be as familiar sure okay um so solar buddy is an international children's charity we we tackle an issue called energy poverty but predominantly extreme energy poverty uh extreme energy poverty condemns about 800 million people globally to um perpetual cycles of darkness it will have unfulfilled futures and repeated cycles of poverty um so they're spending vast majority of their daily income on fuel like kerosene or firewood or charcoal to light their homes cook their meals and basically do the basic functions that we take uh, we do with electricity. Um, extreme energy poverty kills more children and AIDS and malaria combined every year, but very, very few people know that. Um, so that's kind of what we do. We do it in various ways and very various engaging and educational ways. But how I ended up starting Solar Buddy, I, I read an article in Time magazine and um, it was in 2011. And I was living in Nusa on the Sunshine Coast and doing my thing, living my life, and, and um, just happened, an avid reader of magazines and, and at the time and books and stuff and, and reading time every week, every month. And there was this article that just described energy poverty as the world's worst form of poverty. And, and um, I'm well-traveled and you know, I've been to Africa many times and, and it just struck me that I'd lived in this sort of cycle of energy poverty but hadn't actually considered it or, or, mm. or, or comprehended it. And when I read this article, I was like, "Wow, okay, this is this is big." But it's also it also struck me as solvable. You know, um, we we talk about water and security and sanitation and 
you know, economic poverty and different things like that. And sometimes that, you know, the technology isn't there or, or the infrastructure isn't there. With renewable energy and energy poverty, it felt like it was solvable, you know. So I felt like if I got involved with this, maybe I could do something that was impactful around it. And, um, and that's, I read that article and here I am today. Um, wow. What was the first step? What did you do next after the article? Uh, it took about three months to to learn as much as I could about the issue. Um, I have a very inquisitive mind and an innovator's mind and and all that. So I needed to understand the nuances of, of the problem and and what technology was out there, and but also the human side of it. And and so I, I read a tremendous amount. Every white paper I get my hand on from universities and in the United Nations and different things like that, governments and stuff. And um, and then I stumbled across a, a terrible fact that um, the the, the largest cause of uh, death of children in refugee camps was um, kerosene burns and kerosene smoke from inhaling kerosene. Lanterns tipping over inside cotton tents, refugee tents, and children getting burnt and infected and dying. And um, to me, that was utterly, utterly unacceptable. And, and so I bought a humanitarian tent, uh, a refugee tent that you see on CNN or um, BBC or whatever, ABC. And I brought it over to Australia and, um, and I lived in it for three months um, to try and mimic what it was like to live in one of these tents and burn kerosene, inhale the kerosene, you know, trying to immerse myself in the experience of, of what it must feel like to, to be in that situation. And obviously in the Sunshine Coast in Australia, it's not quite as severe as, you know, a refugee camp in Dadaab in northern Kenya or, you know, Jijigo in Somalia or whatever, but... Um, you know, that's what I did, and I lived in it, and, and ultimately stumbled across an innovation that, that I developed, and it solved that particular problem, and um, and invented that, and, and took that to market, and took that to United Nations, and and now it's a standardised form of lighting in refugee camps across the world, and used by millions of people. So. You know, it's fascinating hearing you say that and you've obviously told this story multiple times but just to actually hear those words and that the UN and it's an approved way of people using lighting in across the world, like how does that feel for you to know that impact that obviously you've started now, your team have built, but how does that impact feel for you now? Um, I don't really know to be honest with you. Um, I just feel it's... it's uh, Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do, right? I have a certain skill set. Um, I have a certain imagination and ability, and and I've invaded things all my life, and 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 I wanted to do something that meant something that was beyond buying a bigger house or mm. you know going on a nicer holiday or whatever. And and uh, in that point in my life, it was very important. I found something with deeper purpose. So, what it feels like now. I'm on to the next thing, I'm on to the next thing, I'm on to the next thing. And, you know, I want to end energy poverty globally and, and I want to educate millions and millions and millions of children and give them the opportunity to be the best versions of themselves. And so you're always on to the next thing. But um, do I look back and go, that was great? Um, yeah, I guess, maybe sometimes. But but I, I, I try and sort of... I'm not, I'm not a... Um, what I say? I'm not, ba- I, I'm not a personal... Patter of the back. Yes, I, I yes. Sort of get on with it. You know? Yeah, um, the humility of it all. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But I just, 
that 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 led me into starting Solar Buddy, and and you know that's a wonderful journey that we've been on for the last seven and a half years, and you know from reading that article to working with the UN and developing solutions for them, and and in the Red Cross and different organisations, and then realizing that actually the arrogance of myself and confidence I have in myself which you know can be detrimental in some ways but I felt I could do a better job so that's why I started Solar Buddy. I love that I love that the arrogance but then the confidence yeah it's it's a fine balance in life I think isn't it walking that line. I remember um, being at the global awards of Flight Centre in Berlin if I'm right you were on that stage talking about solar buddy and i remember being in the room where they turned the lights down and everybody held up the little solar buddy lights and we held them up and then the room was filled with light and hearing about that properly for the first time and it's incredible now we have a six-year-old daughter so being able to say to her and i think um holly who also works in the organization with you holly's son is a friend of our our daughter and i said oh guess who we're having on the podcast today and telling her and actually it was yesterday and she said to me this morning, she goes, Mum, don't forget you've got the person who helps the kids be able to read at night so that they can get educated with the light. Isn't that so special? And it was just incredible when you hear like a six or a seven-year-old, the the way that we can re, I guess, you know, when we have something quite complex that then we can educate or speak to it to a kid when you break it down. It's like, yeah, isn't that phenomenal? Like being able to give the gift of education in a way that people don't often consider it. And I think hearing at that Berlin Global Ball, that was the moment where I went, wow, I don't think I'd I've well-travelled, as you say, and you don't consider that actually these kids don't have light to read. They don't have light to educate themselves. So then where are those education opportunities and in refugee camps, et cetera? And, yeah, often just think about food and water, as you say. It's just I'd never heard the expression energy poverty, but now I'm, you know, almost feel ashamed that you didn't realise that. But what an incredible, what an incredible discovery, I suppose. So now in can um, my experience with the solar buddies, packing them up, and I think the the corporate side of things where people would get them in and build them all up and the stem. Um, systems in the schools as well can you tell us a little bit about for those who might not be as familiar I guess what is that process with packaging sending out to communities whether that's here in Australia or globally sure um so a few things there um yeah that was me on stage um three and a half thousand people in the Mercedes-Benz arena in Berlin yes in uh 2018 I think it was yes it was yeah Yeah. um that was the largest audience at that point I'd I presented to, um, which is kind of cool. Um, I didn't quite get the screaming effect that Chris Hemsworth got yes. that day. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, I may or may not have been the woman who ran on the oh, stage. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> I was, that you're, crazy You're more lady. famous than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like well, that you remember that. That's yes. quite, that's quite um, Actually, I still circle. talk about Solar Buddy because people go, how did... How was it that I was on that stage? I said, well, I was volunteering in the Solar Buddy thing, so I got front row. So thank you, Solar Buddy. My pleasure. Um, <laughs> you, made, you made her dreams come true. <laughs> you really did. You're helping educate kids um, across the world and you allowed me the opportunity to meet Chris Hemsworth or bombard him. But anyway, that's another story. But, yes, yeah, so 3,500 people. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. It was very daunting, but it was a, it was a good learning curve. So, and Graham Ross, obviously, wonderful human being. Um, he... he he came on stage and held my hand and and uh, supported me. So that was a lot of leadership in that as well. But um, but ultimately, Solar Buddy. Um, I started Solar Buddy 
with the aim to educate millions of children around the world about an issue that they didn't know about energy poverty and you know we still have children in classrooms that if you ask them what would they not be able to do if they didn't have electricity they you know i wouldn't be able to play my playstation or i wouldn't be able to charge my ipad and you know the the mere fact that they can't comprehend that a light wouldn't work is still quite profound on them so the idea of solar buddy was to raise this awareness and have this conversation with children in a in a stem-based sort of concept and and give them the tools to build something that was practical, tangible, useful to a child who did live in energy poverty. It's very, very simple. It's, mm. it's, you know, and I'm a big believer in keeping things simple so people can really grasp it and, 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 and jump on board, and, and that's kind of what, what we've done. But the corporate side of things, um, we fell into that. Uh, when I started a charity, I'd never started a charity before. Uh, I'd always been in business, and... and um, didn't know what CSI was. I didn't. Mm. I didn't know that there was a you know bucket ton of you know a deep pockets of money within big corporates that wanted to help charities. So a girl from a school went home and spoke to her father, and that fa- her father happened to own a very large company, and that was us entering into the CSR space, which ended up with me being on stage at Flight Center and many other stages around the world. So, and we've raised millions, millions and millions and millions of dollars on the back of it changed millions and millions of lives so that's that's quite wonderful but the the system works very simply um people now we, we've changed the model a little bit we, we you know holly runs the education side which is um we have a whole whole um range of education opportunities for children from five to 15 that they can learn about the sustainable development goals and global citizenship and lots of other things and, and they build tangible s- solutions that we then donate um, and in corporate, in the corporate space, we um, we do a lot of team building. So, you know, people come together, they have fun, they learn, they listen, they have an activity, and then and then we donate those lights to the, the communities that need them. And we've um, we donate. I, I, I generally don't know how many lights we donated, to be honest with you, but but it's a lot. Um, and that's all in seven and a half short years of me starting on my dining room table, and and um, until I resigned. Uh, last Friday. So. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <Did you> really? <laughs> really? Oh my goodness! And you're still here today. Oh wow! Oh wow! Okay, what's next? Yeah, well, um, I I think part of leadership is planning for the future, right? And uh, find a proof in what you, you what you develop, and you know, always finding the the people that can that can do a better job than you, and, 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 and encouraging them to be strong enough and capable to do that um so i've been founder proof in solar buddy from for the last five years mm-hmm. with you. um so i stepped down as C- global ceo and and stepped up into chair my board are saying i must say i stepped up into the chair yeah uh, it's an important role and and it's a grown-up role and you know <laughs> i'm 50 in march so I, one day i should grow up so um so this is the time but um but I set up a company called Barefoot Citizens about three years ago, uh, which is a, a head company of mine and there's subsidiaries underneath that that are all social enterprises. So um, that's what's next. I'm planning on taking that to an IPO in hopefully the next five to seven years. Um, and around 2030, hopefully when we've achieved the sustainable development goals and hit those targets and all my companies are, are aligned with the SDGs. So hitting an IPO around there would be really, really good fun. 
Yeah, wow. Well, congratulations. When you said resign, I thought you're completely out, but now you've got your big boy job. Congratulations, you serious one. (laughs) That's awesome. Transition, a promotion in some ways. Wow. What, um, I guess, you talked about, you know, the UN goals and I guess the drivers behind things. Like, do you have your own personal values that are important to you that you have articulated or that you live by intentionally? Yes. Um, I'm an atheist, mm-hmm. um, but I believe in just doing good in the world. Mm-hmm. I believe that just because I'm a white middle-aged male born in England doesn't necessarily give me privilege beyond other circumstances, and, and we have a responsibility to be aware of that. And, and those morals and obligations and, and responsibilities I carry, and, and I feel that um, it's we should level the playing field a little bit more and lift lift people that don't have the same opportunities up and and be you know be willing and and and, and um, really consider how to do that and mm. not just tokenistic you know I, I carry those morals deeply and been doing that all my life and, and I will continue to do that mm. the rest of my life um, you know even before reading a time article I, I you know I would invest time in, in in youth and apprenticeships and you know different different things that I used to do just to try and help where I could you know and, and I learned that from my parents and and um, in my upbringing but I think just generally just try and be a good decent human being you know um, say hello to people in the street and and make conversation with people that, that look like they need you know, an arm around their shoulder sort of stuff. Mm. That's, that's kind of the morals I try and live by. And I sometimes I can be the person that needs the arm around my shoulder, you know. So mm. it's, uh, I think you what you put out into the world, you get back. And um, if you put positivity and kindness and, and, and patience and support, then, then um, I think there's a ripple effect that goes from that. Mm. I try yeah. and live by that. Yeah, I, I subscribe to that too. I think it's so, so important, so important. Um, I'm wondering, on a slightly different perspective, I don't know how many countries you've travelled to. I'm imagining you've seen quite... 106. <gasps> <laughs> wow. That's... Yeah, wow. Great. Okay, I just want a whole day speaking to you about that. Um, 106. That's just awesome. Can you tell us... Whichever ones come to mind, because 106, there's a lot of experiences there. But of the different cultures you've experienced, what are some great lessons um, that you think the world needs to learn from the way that people live um, as community, I think, like connection and community? What are some of the big stories or lessons you've learned from them? Um, I was asked this the other day, actually. I did a keynote in in Melbourne, and one of the questions from the audience was was very similar, and it was... um, you know, what have I learned from the travels and stuff? And what I see in impoverished communities and developing economy countries and people that we might perceive or, or, or you know, um, might perceive as they have little material um, assets, I guess, uh, but they have each other. And, mm. and they don't, um, I think the, the, the tangible physical demonstration of that is is there's no garden fences there's no brick walls there's no security gates there's no there's no this is my land and this is your land it's it's, it's community you know mm. and and that hits you when when you walk in and and you're willing to observe and 
soaking what you what you're seeing and the culture that you're experiencing that hits you and i try and do that everywhere i go and, and um if i am fortunate enough to go to a new country i try and go two or three days early and soak in that environment and, and understand the culture but when i go to communities in you know madagascar or other parts of the world that, that you know i'm very fortunate to go to it's that spirit that I see. It's, you know, we're here to help each other and we're not competing against each other and it's not keeping up with the Joneses because they've mm. got a new BMW and I want a new BMW and all that nonsense. It's, it's you know, they help each other and, and they, you know, and and, um, and I think that's really important. And um, I saw that in COVID as well. I think we all saw that. Yes. Know, suddenly neighbours were helping neighbours a lot more and, you know, looking after the elderly in the community and different things like that. And, and I think that was a wonderful outcome of COVID. If there was anything mm. positive that did come out of COVID, that was it. Um, and I think we need to get back to that a little bit more um, within, our, within our own communities. Yeah, do you reckon, Do you feel like potentially people have forgotten a little bit of that from COVID, I mean? Like where they're... We, Already, yes. Yeah, it's just... Already. Mm. Absolutely. It's got back to the grind i guess you know and especially with the sort of interest rates and you know some uncertainties around what's going on in the economy here in australia and elsewhere around the world but you know there's very much that oh you know if i don't keep pushing forward what what, what is going to happen to me mm. well you know there's people around you that, that you know may need that arm around their shoulder a little bit more than, than you need to earn an extra 100 quid or whatever you know yeah mm. yeah isn't that the truth Yes. One of the questions I think that I'm really curious about it, I guess maybe from the travels and the communities, like are there leadership traits that you see globally um, across different communities that are, are universal leadership traits that that stand out, that are tra- they transcend culture, I suppose, or cultural norms? Yeah, I think there's... You know, there's 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 a ninety nine percent and there's the one percent, right? And you can use that in an economic um, point of view or, or a leadership point of view or, or whatever. But I think there's people that are just born leaders, right? And and you know, it's 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 a way of identifying that, that you know you'll take on responsibility. And my mother always taught me that you know don't look at the people running away from a problem watch the people running towards the problem mm. and and that was always profound for me and and i think they're the leaders right and you know i've been fortunate enough to to experience that firsthand in war zones and and you know i've, I've been exposed to things that you know humans should be exposed to but you know i've always had the fortunate ability to leave and, and it's a struggle to do that knowing that people are left behind but but it's the ones that put their hand up and own a problem and, and own what's in front of them and, and, and protect the people around them. That You see that in every form of life. Mm. Whether it's, again, in a village in Madagascar or it's in, you know, Tenerife where I live in Brisbane, it's, it's you know, there's leaders that, that will take on the responsibility and stand in front of people and, and, and deal with what's necessary. And, and it's not, it's not machoistic or whatever, it's 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 just I think it's just inbuilt in some people to to take on that responsibility and, and know that that it's not a chore for them. It's not a it's not egotistical. It's not it's not a, a 
a thing that they're going to get credit for. It's just in their psyche and in their makeup. And, and you know, I know there's a lot of people that do do it for those reasons, and I, I'm not, certainly not going to pat them on the back. But um, I think the ones that just take on that responsibility because they know fundamentally it's the right thing to do. Full credit to them, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Simon, what kind of things do you do to develop yourself um, today? I listen. Ironically, as I talk on a podcast, <laughs> um, I, I I observe, um, I, I I listen, and I read. Um, I try and listen to anybody and everybody, and and learn from them. Um, you know, there's obviously a cliched saying, treat the janitor the same as the CEO and all that. But, you know, I, I believe that I can learn from a five-year-old kid as much as I can learn from a 95-year-old, you know, ex-CEO of a Fortune 500 um, and anybody and everybody in between. And, and so I think, again, I was taught at a very young age, you've got two ears and one mouth, mate, like use them in proportion. And, um, and I try and do that. So that's how I develop. Um, but quite often I get asked to talk, so it's <laughs> <laughs> so a byproduct, yeah. byproduct of, of your founder journey. Yeah, yeah, basically. But uh, I read a lot of books. Um, Audible's great, you know, I love Audible. Um, but um, but yeah, I just I just love humans. I, I just love stories. I just love listening. Um, I went out for dinner with a beautiful girl the other night and just listened to her life story, and, and you know, it's very very special. And, I just love that. It's so rich and and um, and grounding as well. You know. Yeah, it's so great. As a great listener, do you have questions that you ask that maybe people could use more frequently? But what are some of your f- favorite questions to ask people that really open up great conversation? What gives you goosebumps? Ah. What, what makes your eyes brighten? You know, what makes you spark? important in the human spirit to know what makes you tick you know and i don't think you can look into somebody's soul until you know what those things are and mm. you can't really get to know someone until you you get those answers and and not uh, quite a lot of people are put off by those sorts of questions or, or that 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 interaction and conversation you don't necessarily ask outright you know like what gives you goosebumps now tell me the answer it's it's you know i just i just love to be inquisitive on people's lives and what makes them tick and and when their eyes light up, that they talk about something that they're passionate. It's it's passionate about. I think that's I think that's true wonder. You know. Yes. I, I love that. I actually just want to ask you what gives you goosebumps. Yeah, <laughs> but I know you said not to do it in that way. Having done this and for seven years and now moving into something else, what is what is it that really is lighting you up? No pun intended or pun intended. But what are those moments for you in, say, the last six months? What have been some of those moments that have really lit you up? Oh, there's so many. Um, every day's a goosebump day, really. Um, I, we, we, we set up a business in February um, that's now scaled into 21 countries in less than a year. It's signed another two countries yesterday. What business, um, what part's that? So that's a it's a network of team building companies that uh, will be doing um, all our all our team building activities globally. So um, I never expe- expected that to scale quite so fast, but it's a, it's a wonderful thing that we're on, and and um, and that's very exciting. And now I can 
busily get back to what I'm good at, which is working with my design team, my industrial design experts and, and develop new products and new solutions to help more people. And, and that's all very, you know, that's where I'd love to be. Yes. Know? And um, so that's been, that's been nice to be able to get back to that. Um, we're developing a, a board game that's, you know, going to be, be a good seller and, and raise a lot of awareness and interaction around what's leveling the playing field and, you know, talk about that sort of conversation into, into family homes about maybe monopoly isn't how you make the world a better place. You know? <laughs> Buying more property, more property, more property. Yeah, yeah wow. Yeah. So we're looking at those sorts of dynamics and how we, we do that. I'm working on a range of children's books, um, which is kind of fun because I'm a big kid myself. I wrote a series of children's books um, about 15 years ago and uh, they went really well and so we're doing a new series. And so there's a lot of really fun, creative projects that I yeah. can now get my teeth into, which which is, is nice. And I still very much across the, the, the workings in, in day-to-day of Solar Buddy is, um, but, um, but the more creative stuff I can... Which, which gives me goosebumps. Yeah, you know, I can see it in eyes. your face. Yeah. Yes, I can see it in your That's your happy place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just love to tinker and create. And, and you know, we're working on wheelchairs and, and disability devices for children in India and Africa. And there's, there's a million and one things that we're working on. And, and I just know that they're going to make an impact. I just know they're going to make a difference. And, and that fills me with a lot of joy. So. Mm, beautiful. With so much in the world that needs to be done, how do you how do you stay focused? Well, in some ways, you're saying there's a, a multi-focus, but how do you stay focused when I guess you turn up into these countries and these communities and just see so many challenges and it would be heartbreaking that we only yeah. How do you how do you keep that focus without feeling like you just want to fix everything? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I'm I'm a I'm an investor's nightmare, right? <laughs> I've been told to focus once. I've been told to focus a thousand times or a million times. But to me, focus is is variety, and and I you know some people can spin one plate and do it very very well, and they do that for thirty years and good good on them, you know. The thought of me spinning one plate, I I, I won't be able to do it very well. I, I'll be the worst one plate spinner possible. <laughs> But you know, spinning thirty plates is I, I I can do that, and and um, you know I'm I'm a single guy, and my children are grown up. I have a lot of time and and a lot of energy, and and I I don't work, you know, I don't I don't get up and clock in and sit in traffic, and so I have a lot of time that I can invest in, in so many projects, and and when you truly 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 love what you do it's not work yeah it's it's sheer passion and drive and and i'm so privileged to have that and and so grateful that i have that so it enables me to do lots of things and and be involved in lots of teams and 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 come up with different ideas and stuff but um but yeah you want to you want to try and do everything but there comes a point where you have to narrow the focus down a little bit Mm. and 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 you know, set project plans out and set deadlines in place and, and, okay, let's accomplish that and get that to market. And But you've always got the next one 30%, 40% there. Yeah. And, and it just goes on like that, you know. It's, it's pretty standard, really. Yeah, I love that. The 30 plates it resonates with me a little. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it totally does. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think you would prefer if I just had one plate at times, <laughs> but I oh. don't feel like one's enough. It's never enough. I uh, yeah, I'm 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 loving this and I'm learning a lot. Um, and I've written down, and it may or may not be the episode title, but every day is a goosebump day. I, I think that 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 for me, if I if I hear nothing else today, um, that 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 could be a goal for mine for every day. I think because it, and even to the point where you said it, and I, I, st- I kind of tears welling up in my eyes because I think oh. Not every day is like that, um, you know, and, and then sometimes I get caught for myself in a bit of a vortex of, of kind of like, oh, why isn't it like that? What's going on? What's wrong with me? Um, and, and just this circular motion. But you know what? If you strive for those goosebumps every day and those moments of connection with people, that, that's how it would come for me. Moments of connection, you get to see someone's soul. It's an absolute privilege. You, you cherish that moment. Then that that just makes it all worthwhile, and then everything else just kind of goes quiet and fades away, right? Because mm. you're just in there. So, thank you for sharing that. Oh, my pleasure. It's and, and not every day is a goosebump day, but you, you can you can have the mindset that it can be, right? And you know, I jump out of bed and I have a shower and I pump the music up, and it's like, right, let's do this. Let's change the world, you know. And and it can be some people can be, well, oh, that's a little bit too much, mate, you know. But if you don't get that mindset, then then how can you? and um so so yeah try and try and live with that that that, that philosophy of like you can manifest it and, and get on with it <laughs> yes yes from a travel perspective you're more your own personal travel where's where's somewhere where's somewhere you've been that you're happy never to return to because i reckon everyone's gonna ask you where's your favorite and where's this but where's somewhere you've been that you thought I'm okay not to go back there, and is there a reason why? Wow. Okay. I'll be very careful here. Yeah. Or maybe <laughs> you can. We can. We can exit that question too. Um, uh, there's not many, to be honest with you. I, I've, I've, I've enjoyed and, and experienced most countries that I've gone to. Um, I landed in in Russia the day after they shot the plane in, over Ukraine. Um, that was kind of hairy. Um, and the timing it just had already been planned, and it was just a coincidence just of timing. A coincidence, yeah. So okay. That, so that was kind of full on. But Russia's a, you know, obviously it's run by a, a despot, but ultimately it's a still a beautiful country. Um, but um, yeah, that's a really hard question. Um, there's parts of America that I struggle with um, because of my, you know, liberalism and mindset. Um, spent a little bit of time in Texas and saw way too many guns and. And, and those sorts of things, but you know, each their own, and that's the, how they live. And I'm not judgmental, but I, I there's parts of America that I probably wouldn't rush back to because mm-hmm. of those sorts of things. Um, but um, but no, I've you know I've been in Iraq, I've been Syria, um, Afghanistan, Pakistan, places that Somalia. Spent a long time in Somalia, uh, Sudan, South Sudan, Chad, all, all across sub-Saharan Africa, and. Some people would be like, oh, scary places, right? You know, and, and I've seen things that, you know, not many people would ever want to experience again, but, you know, you still learn from that. Mm. And, and um, but, yeah, um, I think I think there's parts of America that are just a little bit, um, they're above the surface in how they go about things that mm. don't sit very well with me. Mm. I'll politely say. Yeah. 
I appreciate that answer because <laughs> in half of me I was expecting you to say it like everywhere you learn from. So they're all – but, yeah, it's it's probably not what people expect, is it? But, um, yeah, that's cool. That's great. Is there anywhere that you, from a travel perspective, wish more people could take their kids so at the right age appropriate but more for an educational perspective? Where are some countries or communities that you think would be really – enriching for families i think anywhere and everywhere to yeah. be perfectly honest with you. i've just had the utter joy of, of traveling europe with my daughter uh, she's 19 first time in europe for, for my daughter luca and um you know i took her to london for the first time and and um in in belgium and holland uh belgium and holland and in france and portugal and italy and just seeing Europe through her eyes, and we went to the Cotswolds in Somerset, where I grew up, and Oxford, and and it was it was far more um, moving for me to see it through her eyes than it was when I experienced it when I was her age. You know? Yes, and that was that was beautiful. And so I'd encourage. I think the world is just one big encyclopedia that we just need to consume, right? And, and in a positive way. Yes, know? yes. Um, and and leave, a, leave a positive mark and, and leave a positive memory. I think there's too much in the world that, you know, we go to a certain place and we don't leave a positive footprint and that needs to change a little bit, but, you know, that's not going to change overnight. But, um, but going with the mindset that you can leave a positive footprint, I think, is important. But, but seeing the eyes of... The world, seeing the world through the eyes of your children is 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 um is priceless, mm. utterly priceless. Yeah, so good. I have one more random travel. This is a random one, mm-hmm. but because you have travelled and do travel a lot, what is in your must pack things? What do you what do you always travel with? I only carry carry on. I never I never pack check in, ever. Um, just because it's ineffective or your bags get lost or you don't need that much both really. all of the above yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I wear everything matches so four colors white gray blue and black that's it um, so I'm very efficient packer my daughter when we went to Europe she was like holy cow <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you're only carrying carry-on is you like so that there, there was a little bit of a learning curve there for, for Luca but um, but yeah very efficient packer um no check-in um i've had obviously over the years lost baggage and stuff and it's painful so i try and avoid that but but also just being um being able to um move fast and and be agile and and do those sorts of things but yeah everything matches so yeah that's that's effective efficient do you travel with a camera no a phone with a camera Yeah. yeah 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 that's cool i'm not a tourist Mm. Um, I don't do touristy things. I, I I watch and I listen and I learn and, and I sit in a cafe and just watch the world go by and I don't go to tourist places and things like that. Um, you know, I did with my daughter. Obviously, we went to Oxford and the Cotswolds, but um, but when I go now, all I do is work when I travel. Um, so I think I'm going to Vienna in um, in a couple of weeks for a keynote there. At, big climate conference and i'll go two or three days before i've been in vienna for like 20 years you know so i'll go there and have a look around and, and just absorb the the culture and the climate and and, and, and and see different things and and then from there i go to thailand uh for another conference and some meetings with some companies and 
so it's it's um, it sounds a little bit more glamorous than it is, but um, it's, it's not. It's it's fun. It's fun. It's yeah. enjoyable. Um, but um, but and it's impactful. It's all building what we're doing, um, having the conversations with the right people. So a lot of chief sustainability officers now that big companies that want to talk to us about what we're doing, which is very exciting. And you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago when I first started doing this, there wasn't a CSO. Yeah. Nobody nobody had a CSO. Yeah. Now all these big, you know, companies have CSOs, and we get the privilege of sitting down with them, which is which is really nice. So it's it's really phenomenal to think about that impact, and even talking about um, the UN Sustainable Goals, like what you know, years ago, what even were they? Like I didn't, I don't think people even knew that they existed, and now it's becoming a little bit more, not everywhere, but still more common common language. Yeah, it's yes. great. Really important, really important. For companies that, and maybe a lot of the clients we work with, for example, might be more that SME level. And, I mean, obviously listeners will come from anywhere, but for the companies who aren't really large where they've got um, the ability to have that kind of resourcing um, from a people perspective, a financial perspective, what impact can you say that smaller businesses can have because they might have these desires but they don't always have the the numbers in people or money but what what are your thoughts or tips there i think i think the sme space is is such a golden opportunity i think they individually yes they're small but collectively they're huge right Mm. you know by far and away the the largest employers in most developed economies but you know they, they, they they sit in silos and and you know associations and i think there's a lot of a lot of work to be done within the associations of small businesses so you know i'll pick the australian association of hairdressers i don't even know if that exists but you know <laughs> i just i just uh, i walked past a barber on the way here so yes I, you know um but um you know i think they can they have a responsibility in in and to bring their their association members together to talk about what the future of the workplace looks like what and be leaders in, in what you know in in this in this episode of, of our history, which is the climate crisis and managing it, and what they what they can have a voice within that. I think that's really important. And you know, SMEs generally, you know, somebody to start in a, a, a small and medium enterprise takes a lot of guts. Mm. You know, and and they're leaders in themselves. And and you know, quite often they will respectfully you know work and earn an income and. and be happy with their lot and you know stay around the SME size, but but I think the fact that they've done that themselves and they've taken the, the initiative to start their own business, then whether they employ two people or twenty thousand people, they're still leaders. They're mm. still able to influence change, and I think giving them the platform to have that voice is is really important. And so that's something that we're working on, and Holly's working on that, mm. and a few other in the team are doing that as well. So. Um, you know, I think I think um, you know there's 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 a wonderful opportunity to to bring them into the narrative that isn't just government in large ASX. It's mm. you know it's collectively we can we can influence change and and be important members of this conversation as well. Yeah, yeah, so important to realize every voice and every business person can have the impact they don't have to be something something huge yeah 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 so important Simon, when you popped in when you walked in here today um one of the first things we talked about was books books on the shelf and i know we've touched a little bit on that um but 
What books are on your bedside table at the moment or in your Audible player? Um, currently reading um, a book about parental alienation, um, which is another thing that not many people know too much about. Um, and it's, it's a book about working and understanding your children that have experienced parental alienation uh, from their point of view. So that's what I'm reading right now. <laughs> interesting. So I'm interesting to interested <laughs> yeah. to learn a little bit more about that. I'm kind uh, of joining the dots together in my mind about what that could mean, but it's probably totally totally off base. Um, so I don't really talk about this too much, but um, you know, you are. So I'm reading the book about it. But um, parental alienation is is a, is a is a huge social problem across the world, and and it's where you know, a, a, a married couple go through a divorce or separation and one parent um, um, can sort of weaponize the children to dislike or grow to dislike the other parent. And, um, and it's a major cause of mental health issues in, in divorced parents and it's a large cause of suicide amongst divorced parents and, and, um, and it's utterly traumatic for the children causes dysfunction in, in many, many facets of their lives. And, and you know, I, I spent 12 years without any access to my children. And um, I was one of those, almost one of those statistics. And, and um, that's why I do what I do, to bring light to children and their families so they can spend time together. Because I didn't have that opportunity. So that's why I'm reading that book. Thank you. Thank you. I imagine then that experience with Luca would have been Extra even special. more special now understanding that too. Yeah, wow. Thanks for sharing that, Simon. One of, uh, one of, one of my best friends is kind of going through that and has gone through that. So uh, I'd imagine if, if they're lucky enough to hear this, that might, might mean something to them. So thank you for sharing that. Mm. There's, uh, there's always light at the end of the tunnel, you know. Um, and it's, there's a saying, it's not how hard you hit the bottom, it's how high you bounce back. And, and I'm proud that I hit the bottom. There's no doubt about that. I hit the bottom. And emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually, in every possible way, I hit the bottom. And um, But I bounced back, and I bounced back stronger. And, and somebody asked me the other day what I'm my proudest of, outside of you know, influencing and changing lives and all the rest of it. What am I proudest of in myself? And, and it was sucking in that pain and, and, and that hurt and, and that injustice and, 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 and not really understanding why it was an injustice and not really understanding why this was happening, not just to me, but to my children. And, you know, very simply minded, but... Um, and, and I sucked that in and I turned it into... I didn't with respect to the guy who dressed in the Spider-Man outfit and climbed the Harbour Bridge, you know, <laughs> um, with respect to whoever that guy is, good luck to you. I didn't do that. I, I sucked it in and, and turned it into changing millions of lives for the better and, and, and in honour and, and, and in the name of my children. That's probably what I'm most proudest of, personally. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Can I ask if you're willing to... 
um, are there practices when we're talking about mental health and bouncing back or forward or whatever expression? Um, are there practices that have been useful for you to get into that headspace? Yeah, um, surround yourself with people that love you and, and believe in you and support you and and um, and, and have patience for you and, and, and will hold your hand and and be that person or, or people that, that will put their arm around you when you mm. need it. You know, mm. that, that's, that's really and not 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 be too proud to take that. You know, like spent the weekend with, with my sister and brother-in-law who I love dearly and, and you know they were there for me and and they put the ladder in the bucket and helped me climb out you know mm. as did my parents and, and um so I think that's that's a that's a thing that men struggle with is you know being vulnerable enough to 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 accept that they are in that deep dark place in the first place you know mm-hmm. and, and then and then being vulnerable enough to accept help I that's the first step, mm. and then and then trusting that things will work out. Put one foot in front of the other, day after day, reassuring yourself in the mirror that it's going to be okay, you know. And and one day you'll be reconnected, and one day it will be special. And one day you'll walk down the beach like, you know, and and not cry your eyes out because they're not with you, but cry your eyes out because they are with you. Mm. So beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> um yeah, I've got I've got lots of thoughts on that and lots of lots of things to say. Um do you mind if I ask another question about that? Go for it. On the you said twelve years, um without being without being with your kids, can you talk us through at what point you you got back together, uh, I guess, and and what did that, what did that look like? How did that come? How did that come to play, um, to to celebrate the moment that it is now? Um, <laughs> well, so I live in Tenerife. I live in one of the war schools in Tenerife, which anybody outside of Brisbane probably has no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, and there's a coffee shop in my building, and I go there every morning for breakfast because I'm the world's worst cook. <laughs> Um, and I'd starve otherwise, but um, I know obviously everyone that works in there. And and, um, and I was sat there one one morning reading my phone and laptop and eating my breakfast. And and I got an Instagram message, and it was from my youngest son Will. And um, and it was, "Hey mate, how are you? Um, do you want to catch up sometime?" <laughs> I think I'm going to cry, so bear with me. But um, I just burst. That was it. I just, I just burst into tears, and and um, and it was like it was like a I don't know. It was like a it was, it was like a shield of armor that just melted away, you know. And um, and uh, obviously the the guys who work in the coffee shop came out to say hello and. What, what was up because they'd never seen me cry before and um and then obviously they knew they uh, you know they know and and then that was a very special moment to share with people that are kind and and have been with me and, and um and then I saw my son for the first time in in 12 years um four days later wow 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 that's incredible um oh that's absolutely incredible thank you for 
thank you again for, for sharing that with us. Um, how many kids do you have? Three. You know, the part of that story that that I'm <laughs> that I kind of I'm resonating with the most is you talked about um, you got three other kids. How did how did you come to um, reconnect with the two others as well? Uh, it's, it's 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 um I don't know it's it's, it's a such a strange experience to comprehend. You know, uh, there's the, the, it's 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 ironic that I work in this in the, in the space of energy poverty that is that is fairly unknown and 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 you know my job is to raise awareness about what that is, but then you talk about parental alienation and there's so many people that you know that experience it but it's this big white elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about right mm. so i'm i'm there in both worlds one nobody knows about and i'm trying to get them to talk about it, and one everyone knows about it but doesn't want to talk about it and, and the irony is it lost on me but after will reached out and the bravery of will it, it you know at 14 to reach out and do that um was, was you know i'm so proud of him for that and we, you know, we caught up in in um, Sunshine Beach, and he ended up coming over with me and, and whatnot. And um, and then about three months later, my daughter, who's two years older than Will, Luca, um, she reached out on Instagram as well and, and um, said, "Well, hey, um, um, you're spending time with Will. I guess I should get to know you." Um, and it was very much a big sister kind of thing, and and it was very sweet. But and um, and we, you know, obviously got together and had lunch, and, and it was probably one of the most special days of my life. And um, then in February this year, um, two years later, um, my eldest son Archie reached out, and we've had two beers together. Oh wow! So we're building bridges. Life's good. Oh, so oh, you certainly are. Thank you for these goosebump moments today. Mm. <laughs> Makes it all worthwhile, mm. you know. That's so awesome. What do they think about the work you're doing in the world? Um, I don't think they really grasp it, to be, to be perfectly honest with you. They're, they're all very, very smart and, and beautiful and talented, but um, I'm also very modest i guess mm, mm. Uh, if that's even the right word to say um but it's all about them and yeah you know yeah I'm, i think the, the thing i say most is there's always been for you mm. every single light is a star in the sky that has got your name on it oh. and, and you know i i know that i wouldn't be doing what i do if i hadn't gone through that so the pain that they've experienced and the pain that I've experienced and the pain that my parents have experienced and my aunt, my sisters and brothers and cousins and nieces and nephews, we've all experienced it. Um, there's millions of children's lives that have been improved just a little bit, mm. illuminated just a little bit, mm. safer um, on, on the back of that. And, and I hope they hear that. It's not about standing on stage and talking and all that stuff and you know being a thought leader or whatever it is you get labelled. It's at the fundamental level. That's that's why I've done what I've done. So my children, 
might be proud of me. And hopefully they are. So I'm certainly proud of them. Beautiful. Thank you. And I hope proud of yourself too. If you allow yourself to be, I'm not sure, but... No, there's too much to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll accept that one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. One of the questions that we always love to ask at the end of our conversation, but I think if, if not the last one, but it's definitely into me where, where we're talking here, what's the kindest thing, and perhaps we've just heard the three of them actually, um, but what's one of the kindest things anyone has ever done for you? Um, for me, it's the it's the small acts, you know. It's the it's the daily acts of kindness that, that just make the world a better place. They're they're the things that add up. It's not this one grandiose thing or this gesture or whatever, you know. It's 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 the little things that turn into big things because they mean so much. Mm. You know, the smile, the handshake, the the are you okay today? You know, how you doing? You mm. know the walking into the coffee shop and, and saying good day to you you know you the barista that's working their ass off behind the coffee shop floor and and just asking how their day is you know and, and vice versa like mm-hmm. those interactions to me is kindness that's you you can make people feel a million dollars just by being present in those moments and, mm-hmm. and i think that's the epitome of kindness to me anyway um but a couple examples beyond that um I re- uh, announced two weeks ago or whatever, uh, ten days ago, that I resigned from operationally running Solar Buddy. And, and, you know, I privately emailed a lot of people and spoke to people on the phone, but I also posted on LinkedIn, obviously. And I got this beautiful message from, from a head of a foundation um, who just retired from her role, actually, that, that working with Solar Buddy was the highlight of her career and working with me, which really struck me, you know, like yeah. the rest. That's, that's brave to put that out there on, on LinkedIn and, and to share that with me and and that was kind you know she didn't have to do that and, yeah and, and um I thought that was quite special and but just the little things you know like just just buying a coffee for someone or or just being there to listen and and and, and be there that's that's what I think a lot of people miss is kindness isn't about like I say these huge gestures of you know, buying people presents or whatever—it's—it's—it's listening, it's Mm. it's learning, it's—it's—it's letting people share their stories with you and know that they're being heard and Mm. and know that you give a shit and and that that to me is what kindness is all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sure is, and I think when you travel, it's one of those things, isn't it? When you come out of your daily bubble, when you can go in observe other people's ways of living and their cultures and and especially when you don't speak the same language I think smiling and eye contact like that energy exchange is like wow people are uh, so funny you say that I, I, people when I worked for the UN like I, you know I ended up in Australia because I can't speak any languages right I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm atrocious at languages and cooking there's quite a few things <laughs> I'm atrocious at actually um but um but I, I ended up in Australia because I, I spun a bottle in Cambodia and it, it was, I had a triangle in the dirt and it was a beer bottle and I was drunk. And, and I had New Zealand, Australia and California and spun a bottle and it landed on Australia and here I am. 
Um, Legitimately, that yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. But, but, um, but obviously, all free English-speaking, you know, states or countries. And um, but when I worked for the UN, and you know, you have to have multiple bilingual at least to work for the UN. Mm. And I, I, I'm not. But I was a consultant, I, you know, I was, I was a contractor, so it didn't really matter. But people used to say to me, how do you get on? Like, how do you, how do you communicate in Somalia or Ethiopia or wherever you are in the world? And well, I smile. That's yeah. my language. I, you know, I, I, I put my arm around them if it's appropriate or on their shoulder and, and smile and reassure them that I'm here to help and I'm here to listen and, and we're going to be all right. And that's, I think that's the language of, of, of kindness and, and, all we need to do really yeah 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 and 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 be out of our own head and our own shit for a minute (laughs) you know like to be here to be connect with someone to listen to be in that space to be present for them the more that people can do that in this world the busier the world is getting and the crazier it's getting the more we need it yeah and and i think if you can demonstrate that you know coming back to leadership and courage and and all those things like i think if you can demonstrate that in your dna and and it's just how you are, mm. then you're demonstrating to children, young adults, future leaders that that's how, I'm not saying it's the right way, or I believe it's the right way, but it's it's a way that can make people feel at ease and feel confident and comfortable and, and, um, and open up to you so you get to be authentic with each other. And, and I think that's, that's, that's a huge strength in it. Mm. Yes, it sure is. Simon, I'm not sure what you've got on for the rest of the day. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just thinking um, in terms of what I've got on for the rest of the day too. But um, what's that got to do with anything? It's actually got nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I, I think I'm just finding ways to fill to fill the silence, uh, to fill to fill my sentence. But um, oh, this is this has <laughs> been this is no, no, it's fine. This has been a real gift for me to mm, to hear likewise. you say this today, and and. I believe when it, well, when we think about leading with courage, and the reason that we wanted to to do a podcast was to showcase human moments and human experiences like this. It's it's by the way of leadership lessons to be learned from people's stories. Is you know you're going to organically get that, but the opportunity today to to meet you and and to connect with you and to see your heart and hear hear your stories are, you know when. When asked about the book on your bedside table or in in Audible, I we didn't know that that would take us down that track. But I'm I'm so grateful that it did. And I thank you for your for your courage and your vulnerability because I think with with leading with that courage to talk about that story today, I'm no doubt that it will impact someone somewhere who who might be on a similar journey. And then it goes full circle to know that there's moments of optimism and moments of hope out there for them to to keep pushing. So um, thank you for that pleasure and it's you know it's 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 not a uniquely male story it's 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 both sides mm. and, yes and i'm very open to that and i'm not judgmental and i haven't pointed the blame at anyone circumstances happen and and you know that's that's what it is but but ultimately it's it's an issue and it's a huge issue and it's a generational issue and one of my one of my jobs moving forward um is to try and you know, build. I had a platform. Obviously, platform is growing internationally, and, and you know, I'm becoming braver. And and now that I'm reconnecting with my children, 
it's becoming easier for me to go to that place because um, it's not full of pain anymore. It's mm. full of joy. And um, so I hope to hopefully gently, respectfully put a spotlight on some of these issues globally um, as well as the energy poverty issues that uh, I'm renowned for. So we'll see how we go. Well, thank you for the light that you bring to this world and really appreciate this time. It's been really special. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Lead with Courage podcast. We illuminate leadership and it's our mission to inspire and grow the leaders of today to create a better tomorrow. We hope and trust that this episode has given you some insights and joy to empower you to live your biggest, best life. If you did enjoy the episode, we'd be so grateful for you to rate and share wherever you listen to this podcast. And until next time, go and lead with courage. Luminate Leadership is not a licensed mental health service or a substitute for professional mental health advice, treatment or assessment. Any conversation in this podcast is general in nature And if you're struggling, please see a healthcare professional or call Lifeline on 131114.